Welcome to the Hutchmoot Podcast, a library of sessions recorded at the Rabbit Room's annual conference, which celebrates art, music, story, and faith in all their many intersections. Today, it is our pleasure to share a session led by Jonathan Rogers and Helena Sorensen called Recovery, Escape, and Consolation, The Gifts of Fantasy, from 2020's Hutchmoot Homebound. J.R.R. Tolkien and G.K. Chesterton both make cases for the necessity of fantasy literature. Here, Jonathan and Helena discuss three of Tolkien's primary arguments. Enjoy. I'm Jonathan Rogers. and I'm Helena Sorensen. And this session is Recovery, Escape, Consolation, the Gifts of Fantasy. So um, Pete Peterson put us together in hopes, I think, that we would fight Yes. <laughs> about, about fantasy because we, I mean, we, we probably have slightly different tastes mm-hmm. in fantasy. Yes. Right? right? You're more interested in sort of high fantasy and I'm interested in sort of low. <laughs> I'll make no comments about that. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but we'll see if we fight or not. I'm yeah. not sure this is going to res- result in too much of a... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure we disagree as much as Pete hopes we disagree okay. about things. But. <laughs> Fair enough, yes. We'll see. Uh, so our title comes from um, Tolkien mm-hmm. on fairy stories. Yes. So he ends that essay with, with these categories of, of what he thinks, um, what he says uh, fantasy is especially good for. Right. Right? So recovery, escape, consolation. Consolation, yeah. And that consolation ending with that idea of eucatastrophe that's so Ugh. often mentioned in, mm-hmm. especially in sort of the rabbit room world. Right. So, but let's, we'll start with, we'll start with recovery. Okay. Recovery. What is recovery in Re- Tolkien's terms? Well, in Tolkien's terms, terms recovery is a, a regaining of a clear view of the world. Um, and he values this highly, as I do. I think it, it aligns so well with spiritual thought and spiritual practice. Um, but he, he points out several things that it's not. And one of those is um, a mild criticism of G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. Because he says Chesterton, Chesterton comes into things and presents a new perspective. So he'll just you know, walk up to a factory or a, a whatever it is <laughs> and say, let's look at this from a different angle. Um, and Tolkien kind of dismisses that as being inferior because the whole end of that is not a recovery of so much a full view or a larger scale view, but just a simple realigning of thought on one mm-hmm. tiny thing. Um, and it makes me think of a, a great sermon illustration <laughs> compared to a story, which, okay. you know, you can hear something in a sermon illustration and think, huh, that's, I've never heard it that way before. It's really interesting. Um, and you can walk away with a slightly different idea of something. And I think you can even meditate on that for weeks and months. And yet, <laughs> it doesn't change you and settle down on you and do its work in the same way that stories do, which is why I love Chesterton. And I remember a couple of things Chesterton has said, but Tolkien has shaped me. Really? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because th- that was one, one part from the Tolkien essay that I just couldn't quite buy, the yeah. idea that, <laughs> that you, you have to... So, I guess he, his idea, Tolkien's idea was... You, you get your vision changed mm. by this secondary world mm. more completely than looking at the primary world in a different way. Absolutely, yes. Um, and I, I'm, that is, that's not something I'm 
ready to buy. I mean, because <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, I guess I would say I've been shaped more by Chesterton than by Tolkien. Um, and that idea in Chesterton that, that, that you know, he went out to discover the world and ended up discovering England. Or mm-hmm. went out, how do you put it? Went out to discover new worlds or, or new new lands and accidentally discovered England instead. Mm. And I, I just find that incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, and, and again, I, I wonder if this is part of the reason why even the fantasy, not just the fantasy you like, but the fantasy you write is very, I mean, the stories I, the, the swampy, you know, the, the swampy fantasy stories that I write. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of the point is, here's, look how fantastical this world is, mm-hmm. you know, where instead of alligators, it's some dragons that's got alligators, mm-hmm. you know. And it's a, I almost put a goblin in book two. My wife's like, are you sure you need goblins? Because you've got all this other stuff, you know, the swamp, it, isn't the swamp yeah, sufficiently? Yeah, too far. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's see, we're... we're now, give me where I was going with well, that. The familiar versus the unfamiliar. Yeah, right. It's power to shape you, yeah. Um, I think it's a good question and, and worthy of consideration. For me, it's more powerful to look at the things that are unseen, right? So the uh-huh. Paul's look not at the things that are seen. I, and even Jesus telling his disciples, greater things than these you'll do. They'd seen a lot (laughs) that was, you know, stretching (laughs) human potential and possibility. And what was he inviting them into? What was he inviting them to imagine? Um, I think that's a big question. And I think it's something that they should sit with. (laughs) Really, what's greater than this? Yeah. Um, And what does that mean for humanity? Why is all creation groaning as it expands toward the manifestation of the sons of God? Why do we need a larger universe to fully hold the sons of God? I mean, I, we can do a sermon illustration thing, but I think that stories are a, such a fundamental language of humanity that that's where it's going to affect us most deeply. And I would say, too, that while you talk about stories that cause us to love home, you know, fantasy writers don't dislike the world. We love yeah, right. the world. Yeah, we right, love right, the world, right. and we love humanity. And so we, we are always writing a love letter to those things um, in odd ways, <laughs> in unexpected <laughs> ways. Yeah. Um, but that strangeness, that strangeness of something new and different, uh, I just think it's huge. I think it's so powerful. Yeah. And if we take Chesterton's thought about democracy, you know, he discusses this in The Ethics of Elfland. He says, um, you know, don't discount the, the voice of the, com- the consensus of common man all throughout history. Yeah, right. right. So there's this tendency to think that we've arrived. <laughs> in the last few centuries. And, you know, we've grown up as human beings and we don't need those childish stories like they told, those myths and legends that we've outgrown them. But if, if everybody gets a vote, if all uh-huh. humans from all time get a vote, then you might can argue that someone like John Steinbeck, marvelous though he is, is writing in sort of a fad style. Uh-huh. That, that myths and legends and fantasy are where we began and they will what in. In, mm-hmm. They'll endure what we're yeah, doing yeah. now. I mean, I yeah. put my money on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, th- there was something else from that section that is now escaping me that I mm. wanted to talk about. Um, oh, it's it's the idea that that um, for Tolkien, one you know, one of the great uses, and I know you didn't want to use the word use, so forgive me. <laughs> of, of fantasy uh-huh. is that it. It shakes us loose from the idea of possessiveness. Oh yes, I love this topic. And, and yeah, and so there's a humility. Mm-hmm. So so in the recovery of, of the vision that we, you know, that we should be 
you know, the, the way, what our vision should be, the cleaning yeah. of the windows, yes. I think is an image that Tolkien uses. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, we, um, uh, you know, the way we look at the world, we feel like it's, it's ours. And then we don't, mm. maybe we don't see it as, as given, but rather somehow ours. And, and so there's, I'm probably using this word the wrong way, but, but in fantasy, there is an other, you know, it, it, is othering the, that might not be the right word to use. It's I, good I, enough I for know. me. Yeah. But, but in, in, in sort of unfamiliarizing mm. things, we suddenly, there's a humility in, in no longer feeling like this, this world is something that belongs to me. Yes. And that corrects our, our vision. Yes, an antidote. Yeah. Yes, okay, I think this is huge because uh, uh, Chesterton talks about something similar when he says that there is always some kind of prohibition in the world of fairyland and that mm, that's very yeah, necessary. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother him that there's a, a bizarre prohibition, like you can never say the word chicken or something yeah. or you lose the castle. <laughs> yeah, right. um, it doesn't bother him because he thinks the world is so wonderful and magical that, of course, it's, it's yeah. so strange that we have any of these things in the first place or yeah. have been offered to experience them that a prohibition isn't a big deal. Um, And so when Tolkien goes into that and he says, we have appropriated the world, we have laid hands on it, Mm -hmm. locked it away, and in owning it, now cease to look at it. Yep. Um, And I think that (laughs) fantasy stories, by offering those kind of prohibitions— are a, a really fantastic antidote to appropriation. And I think this is true in Christianity because Christianity so often is just reflecting the culture. So there's something mm. very much in Christianity, of, of my time anyway, and of the last, you know, whatever period, that says, I'm going to take this faith and I'm going to pin its bones to a board and label mm-hmm. them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll walk away confident because I know it. But in doing so, you've stripped everything that made it mysterious and beautiful and alive, right? You, yeah. There's nothing left to see or to know. Um, and so when we see those rules about, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this, I think so many of us jump right to the apple. Well, you can't do the thing. You ruin it all if you do the thing. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, sure, but this maybe has broader application. It's not just don't do the one sin. It's maybe don't try to hold the whole thing too tightly because it's too big for you. Yeah, I love it. Should we move on? <laughs> sure. I, I'm not allowed. So, okay, no, no, let's, let's don't move on yet. Mm. I never, so everything I know about Thomas Aquinas I got from Joseph Pieper, so I never know if I'm quoting Joseph Pieper or if I'm... I wouldn't know the difference anyway, okay, well, really, so bring it. But so, but he talks about this idea of, of um, al- you know, aligning ourselves with reality. Yes, yes. You know, and, and he, he says one of them, either... Peter Aquinas, I don't know, says the the great sort of enemy mm. of reality and and of our receiving uh, reality is our own self interest, and so um, in, instead of saying whatever whatever reality is, I'm here for it. Okay. We say I've got this idea of of what I need, or so so my notion of. You know, I started to find reality in terms of, of what's best for me, okay. right? Which I, I do think we see very much in contemporary culture, okay. right? The, the idea that, you know, um, I'm not especially interested in what's really real. I'm, in, I'm interested rather in what's, what's good for me and, and people like me. Hmm. And therefore, that's my notion of, you know, I, I somehow get to define what reality is. Okay. Instead of reality being, you know, that whatever continues to exist, even when, whether I believe in it or not. Okay. You know? 
And so, um, and so that idea that self-interest is the enemy of, of reality hmm. um, seems really relevant to what Tolkien's saying about recovery mm. and the humility of saying, I, this isn't mine, right? Mm, right. <laughs> and I, somehow, so I, mean, I guess Tolkien's point is, a second, in a secondary world, I can get used. I, I can get very used to the idea that I that I am. Um, this is not mine. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. And that I'm, I'm disinterested in 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 not uninterested, but disinterested in that world, and therefore yes. I'm, I'm ready to receive reality. And I think that's a, I think that's really really helpful. My only question is: mm-hmm. Is it really necess- Is fantasy really necessary for that? Right. And and again, um. As much as I love Tolkien, but when he starts bad-mouthing Chesterton, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just too far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And, and so, again, I, I, I'm so, one of, the things, one of the things that excites me so much about Chesterton is that he does that with the, he sort of puts some distance between me and, and the world that I do live in hmm. instead, of, instead of creating a secondary world. Yeah. You know. Um, and so, and I don't mean to undervalue that. That's certainly one way of receiving, and I'm, I'm sure partly personalities or education can influence that. And, and again, in looking at the whole history of humanity, mm-hmm. that may not have been as valuable a thousand years ago. Yeah, right. For for the average person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, so okay. So that was um, recovery. I feel like we probably keep talking about recovery for another I hour or two. I love recovery. Yes. I know it's great. Mm-hmm. Then escape. Escape. Yeah. Yeah. And so Tolkien says escape is, I mean, sorry, fantasy or fairy stories. Sure. And we're equating fairy stories with fantasy. I guess that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll do another session. Uh, yeah, right. With the distinctions. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but fantasy, fairy stories are a form of escape, says, mm. which is offensive to yes. people who love fantasy yes. stories. <laughs> um, but he says, no, don't be offended because in every other context in the world, escape is good. Mm. In this, in the real world, we right. don't, you know, if you're in jail and you can escape, do it. Right. You know? Yes. And <laughs> any, any place you need, I mean, the only place, <laughs> he's, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, the only place where escape is considered a bad thing is in literary criticism. Uh, yes. Everywhere else, escape is great. Right. Well, it's the word has been equated with a kind of denial, mm-hmm. which I think people, and I think especially people of faith then are, are tempted to lump it in with something that's dangerous or bad. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is a denial of what's true. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, do you, <laughs> truth and reality then become a really big question there. What is real and what is true? I'm sorry, what do you mean when you say that? Well, I mean that we are experiencing something, as you said, something probably shaped by our own self-interests and our own fear and our own ability to receive. Yeah. Um, but is that the most true thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't believe yeah. that it is. Yeah, right. Um, and so don't mistake this, you know, whatever's going on, the distinctions of our time for truth. Yeah. No, I, I think it's really helpful to, to, to bear in mind that we— the, the the idea of something being true enough, mm. you know, because okay, the, the the things of, of the world, the the hurts and the sorrows and all these, things, okay, mm. yes, that's true. true yes, enough. but it's right. just not the truest thing, right? Right. There, there are truer things. Right. And and I, I I do think you know fantasy and fairy stories are, are a great way to get at what's truer than than the than the immediate immediate yes stuff. 
Right. And it requires a stretching. I mean, it's one of those things that, um, for me, sets fantasy above science fiction. Because when I mm. read a science fiction story, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's a stretching of the mind, but that the, the place doesn't want to be touched. It's sterile there. Huh. Um, and I love fantasy and fairy stories because they do. They invite you in. And so for me, it feels like the spiritual practice of reaching into the unseen realm and pulling realities that I cannot see into the seen realm. So that's when you say that fantasy is a kind of spiritual practice. That's what that's what you mean. I you do. I think we're meant to imagine more. And I think uh, one thing Tolkien talks often about is desire. Right? He says, mm-hmm. I, "The thing that I noticed in these stories was that they stirred in me desire. A world with dragons was infinitely more desirable than a world with motor cars." <laughs> and yeah. like, why is that true? But it is. It yeah. is. I want to be there. And that stirring of desire, which often we have labeled as evil and, and tried to stamp out, is actually an entryway into imagination. Right? Mm-hmm. And imagination, used rightly, is is the beginning of of everything. Like I have to imagine myself applying for a job and having a job before I even step forward into that. And so why can't humanity imagine more? And even in the poorly written, not so great, not going to last fantasy that I've read, I see the writers wrestling with what's possible for humanity. They are wrestling with what it means to be a woman, what it means to be powerful or not, what it means to govern ourselves or not, what tyranny is. They are constantly trying to sort through those things in the way that they feel is it offers them the most option to create something new. Mm-hmm. Are you still talking about escape, or are you off on another topic? No, that is not escape. I th- imagination, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It, to escape, to me, is denial. This escape in the terms that it's used to describe fantasy. And this is where I get frustrated, because Tolkien says all these gifts, these recovery and escape and consolation, are things far more needed by adults than mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And yet, what I constantly encounter is adults who give fantasy novels to their children mm-hmm. and say that I don't need that. Yeah. I'm like, but you desperately need it. <laughs> yeah. The more familiar you are with the brutality of the world and with the reality of what we experience, the more you need your imagination freshened, the more you need new vision to enter into something, something new. Because children are still young. They're still... You know, they're so fresh from God mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. that they, they sense that, the magic and the wonder, and they sense what's possible. There's no understanding in them of, like, I can't or won't or it's not going to work. Or, mm-hmm. you know, my kids still think they're going to find pirate gold in the creek down by the lake. You know, and as an adult, I'm like, oh, baby, you know, don't get your hopes up. But that's just evidence of what the world has done to me. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. So, okay, but, but I don't understand why you aren't willing to accept Tolkien's um, I mean, you know, T- Tolkien has, has said he's, he's just embracing the escape thing. I mean, so everybody, everybody else says, oh, no, fiction is mm-hmm. not escapism. You know, Flannery O'Connor says, no, it's not an f- escape from reality. It's a plunge into reality. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody except yes. Tolkien, right, tries to defend their kind of fiction. It's like, this isn't escapism. And Tolkien says, that's escapism. It's good. I mean, and, and I think <laughs> I it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I appreciate him, you know, doubling yeah. down on the idea of escape. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you're not, but you're not willing, you're not willing to, to, to take To admit that it's an escape? Well, I I guess, I mean, and I I completely understand your, your desire not to let people, you know, call it escapism when they, when they just mean that as a pejorative term, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, But it sounds like you're also not willing to accept Tolkien's um, acceptance Hmm. of the term. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, well, to me, the most interesting thing in that whole section is when he says, let's not, and, and I, my little sheet with my quotations, I left at home. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but 
he says, in effect, let's not confuse the escape of the prisoner with the flight of the deserter. Yes. And so I think when people speak of escapism in literature as bad, they yes. essentially are saying you're, you're deserting. You are, and you used a, a similar word a minute ago. I can't remember which, which word you used. But, but, um, but the, if our loyalty is to this world, then mm-hmm. escape from this world is desertion. But if our loyalty lies elsewhere, then escape might, you know, is it, that's not desertion, that's... Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's safe to be loyal to the seen and the unseen at the same time. To be loyal to what I've yeah. seen and experienced and also to what I believe to be possible or hope can be possible. Uh-huh. Um, and when you talk about um, loving the world, right, you say you, you left the world and then came back so that you could love the place. You could love England yeah. better, right? Yeah, yeah. Was that an escapism? Did that bear any fruit? Yeah. Right? So it was escapism and it bore fruit? We're, are we agreeing or disagreeing? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It may be just us uh, nitpicking about the term, but... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, or whether we see it as a positive or a negative. Yeah. Which I'm... I well, it's, it's I mean, it is, it is almost always used as a negative with regard to literature. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so it's hard to say, yeah. it's hard to accept. Right, it's, it's equated with a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Like just binge watching Netflix, something that's mindless, and I totally disagree with that. <laughs> but in Chicken Run, for instance, Escape is great. <laughs> that that should be your choice of examples. Just makes me like you even more. Of course, yes, they should get out. I was trying to think of some story within this. It was, yes, it was about Escape. They don't have to be part of the pie. <laughs> they have other options. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the third category mm-hmm. that Tolkien provides us is consolation. Mm. You got it, and, and my quotations are completely, as I said, Yes, missing. Elsewhere. Well, mine are on little cards, but um, <laughs> this is one of the ones where I think we might, I don't know so much that we'll struggle to agree as that I don't have enough evidence to support my side. I just feel okay. strongly about it. Um, but you talked about consolation, right? This is going to be the turn, uh-huh. This moment in the story where based on all the evidence, <laughs> based on everything we've seen, it cannot end well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it does, surprisingly, mm-hmm. beyond all hope. And this is this moment of joy, this moment he says there's a catch in the breath, there's a lifting of the heart. <laughs> yeah. And of course for Tolkien, this happens most easily uh, in fantasy and fairy tales. Right. So my only argument, I, and I know I've read that, and had that experience with all kinds of books, mm-hmm. all kinds of books, memoir, mm-hmm. you know. It, <laughs> yeah, right. It doesn't have to be fiction, even. Um, I've had that experience with scripture. I've had that experience in nature and with music. I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's possible to have it all across the board. But um, the, that experience, the experience of unexpected joy, yeah, that it's sort of glimpsed into something beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love the way Tolkien um, refers to it as joy beyond the walls of the world. Mm. That's that. Yeah. And so for me to step beyond the walls of the world from the very beginning and then move even further into deeper joy is just that much sweeter. Yeah. Um, there's another place where he mentions um, a moment you pass outside the frame, joy mm. that passes outside the frame. And that's what I love, the, the seen and unseen realms being you know, parallel and, and happening at the same moment and your chance to ease into the other. And so I think really starting a story of fantasy or a fairy tale <laughs> I think it opens you more, right? He talks about the, your horde. What was the description he says? He says, um, um, oh, I love this. Oh, 
Creative fantasy may open your hoard and let all the locked things fly away. Isn't that great? I do love that. <laughs> okay, so to begin a story that Wendell Berry writes, or that John yeah. Steinbeck, or whoever, you know, yeah. Flannery O'Connor, I'm going to begin with everything locked up, right? Because this is a world that I've appropriated. I know mm-hmm. my world. I know mm-hmm. these people. I, I'm very familiar with this. And so I think that it takes maybe <laughs> maybe even more skill for them to unlock the hoard uh-huh. because you, you're so comfortable in that world. And to find that turn and that joy, how, how do, you, do you expect to win the lottery? <laughs> no, because you, you know this world, right? It's, uh-huh. it's probably not going to happen. But in a fantasy story when I've already moved into the realm of what I can't control and what I don't know and what feels so other and so grand and so too big for me to put my hands on, I think the joy is just even even better, even more likely for the hoard to be unlocked, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love those, I mean, I love those stories yeah, too. Yeah, sure. Um, I just, again, when, when reading this essay from, from Tolkien, I, I can't, Everything he says about eucatastrophe and, mm. and the idea of, you know, the, of, of the, the, what, the consolation of the happy ending, mm. right? I mean, he's just talking about comedy. He's not talking, or comedy in the literary sense, mm. you know, he's, or, or divine comedy. Some, and, and the gospel, right? Which mm-hmm. is a comic vision of the world, you know, a vision of the world that says, I know you thought you were living in a tragedy, yeah. but you really living in a comedy. Right. You know, where, where um, um, whereas as it turns out, the suffering is temporary, mm. and and you know, uh, 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 all all the death there ever was sat next to life would scarcely fill a cup. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and um, um, that's that's the eucatastrophe. That's that's the gospel. And and Tolkien's claim that 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 fairy stories are uniquely able of capable of. Communicating. I, I appreciate what you say about removing us from the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, my, my, again, my question is the idea of the unseen existing alongside the scene. Mm. I, 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 yes, I'm willing to accept your, your idea and Tolkien's idea that, that fantasy is better at that, makes it you know, more naturally suited to that okay. than, than just regular Any old story. Comedy. Yeah. Um, so, I guess we're not disagreeing after all. <laughs> Pete's going to be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> He'll recover. <laughs> um, all right. As we're probably, probably about time to bring this thing in for a landing. Um, but you got notes. You've you got your notes. So well, what do you know. got there that's, that's, uh, that, that's missing? That we I, I think we've missing. covered most of it. Um, I do... You were talking about the eucatastrophe and the turn. I do think it's really wonderful. I think it's wonderful that imagination stretches us into what we long for, right? Yeah. The the desire and imagination go together. And so that eucatastrophe, which I think is very difficult to hold on to, especially for adults, the idea that it could really all be better than we hoped. Mm -hmm. And even that thing, that little bit of it that we receive, the better— it's maybe better than that and actually better than (laughs) that. So it's like a continual stretching of the muscle of imagination into the fullness of goodness and love and joy, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, it's hard to maintain that strength. Um, Yeah. Living in the world. So how do you, but how do you bring that back from fairy land to this world where where we live? Well, you don't label it on a board. I know that much. It's, It's just in you. 
it changes you. It's like, you know, it's this mist that settles down in the interior world and you just breathe it until it's in your cells. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, I'm prone to hyperbole, but, but that's how <laughs> I kind of think of it is that it's in me now and I'm yeah. different because it is. Yeah. Like there's no three steps. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know. I know one thing we agree on very much about <laughs> about these things is is this idea that that um, um, in in the sort of demystifying project mm. of you know Christianity in the last couple hundred years, yeah, which you know is, is, is has bought into a sort of modernist slash postmodernist, mm. um, you know. Demystifying urge yeah. with the, the three steps and the five steps. And the, yeah, sure. Um, the fantasy preserves mystery in a way yes, that is exceedingly helpful. Well, I was thinking too recently, I'm sorry if this is a slight tangent, but how, um, you know, we talk about yin and yang and just the idea of associating men with light and truth and associating women with darkness and mystery. And how I take offense at that. <laughs> um, but I, I, I sort of backpedaled a bit and said, why am I offended by this? And would I be offended if we lived in a culture that valued mystery as much as it mm. valued truth? <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, fantasy novels are a way of being that antidote. That sense. Mm-hmm. Embrace the mystery of the gospel. Embrace the mystery of everything, creation and humanity and God. Um, it's too big for us, but we get to enter in, you know. Great. It's been really fun. Yes, it has. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. If you're wondering what in the world a Hutchmood is, you are not alone. Let me give you the short version. Hutchmood is an annual arts conference hosted by The Rabbit Room in which we gather people together around art, music, story, and faith. If you want the long version, check out the website at hutchmoot.com where all of your questions, or at least some of them, will be answered.